Okay, so it's the 13th of May, day 712 of lockdown. These are more of my unfiltered, uncensored, unedited thoughts from my brain into your ears, uh, whoever you are. Um, this is mainly for my ears, if I'm honest, and for my sanity. Uh, so yeah, uh, another day of lockdown, another uh, media piece of media interacted with. Uh, I wouldn't say watched, but I did more than watch it. Because uh, today I spent far too much of the day uh, playing, if that's the right word for it, the new Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt uh, thing on Netflix. It's an interactive adventure. Like uh, Bandersnatch was for Black Mirror, but I'm way behind on Black Mirror, so haven't bothered to watch Bandersnatch. Uh, now you'll notice that I said I'm behind on it. It's an anthology series, it's therefore uh, impossible to fall behind on it. I could watch the episodes in any order, uh, but that's not how my brain works. Uh, it's just not. I need to watch them in order, and I haven't got round to it yet. Part of that is just because uh, the sort of it's just too bleak for me, especially at the moment. I don't think people are really into apocalyptic stuff at the moment. Although I was saying that, like I say, one of the first things I did, like I said before, is uh, play The Last of Us, and I'm very excited for The Last of Us Part Two. So maybe some some uh, apocalyptic stuff is worthwhile. But yeah, so uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, Kimmy versus the Reverend. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second, but I just want to talk about Kimmy Schmidt for a second. Uh, as I said, for a second, twice. I said in a second and then for a second. Um, well, too many seconds have passed for either of those things to be uh, accurate. I must have been lying in at least one of them. So, uh, Kimmy Schmidt is a sitcom by uh, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. Starring Ellie Kemper as the irrepressible uh, Kimmy Schmidt, I don't know why I said it in that voice, uh, who is a naive, young, joyful young woman. Uh, it's a young twice, as if youth is something to be celebrated more than anything else. Um, it's just because I'm bad at words when I'm tired. Who was locked in a bunker for 15 years, comes out, uh, has missed her entire teenage years and the entirety of the 90s. Uh, or, or, you know, uh, the last part of it at least. And gets on for life. Basic premise. Uh, I actually, I really enjoy uh, Kimmy Schmidt, mainly because uh, Ellie Kemper, who plays Kimmy Schmidt, is incredible. She's also in the American office. Uh, and she's just delightful. She's one of these people who's just really, really funny and really, really fun to watch on screen and plays her characters really well and like uncomplicatedly, which is uh, something, that, something that I appreciate in my comedies. Uh, and it's got an amazing cast, Jane Krakowski, who previously worked with Tina Fey on 30 Rock, obviously, and was in Ally McBeal. What? Uh, it's amazing. Uh, Titus Burgess is fantastic. Carol Kane is a living legend, and we are blessed, blessed to have Carol Kane. 
<laughs> who I of course first saw in the Princess Bride, shouting at Billy Crystal. Uh, just a fun, it's a really fun series. Uh, it loses its way a bit in the third season, as uh, you know, a lot of sitcoms are want to do. It has some of Tina Fey's, you know, quirks in it, but just to say, just straight up some jokes that do not work. Uh, that they are trying to make a point about racism and failing, or trying to make a point about something else and failing. Uh, you know, I. But I still love Tina Fey. Uh, ah, tangent here. Um, I took me a while to get to watch season four of uh, Kevin Shrek. Not because I hated season three. Like I say, it had issues, but everything does. Um, your faves are problematic. Uh, <laughs> but I, but because I had a friend who hated Tina Fey, who decided that she hated Tina Fey and therefore that I should too um, as a friend who did that with a lot of people uh, and was very sort of I try not to be that kind of person who's like, oh I don't like this so you shouldn't like it but it was even more than that of her, it was this person is bad, so if you like it you are bad which is, you know, not don't, don't be that kind of person, right? Who needs someone to dislike the things that you dislike. Uh, obviously, there's exceptions to that. If people are actively hateful, like if Tina Fey was actively a terrible person, that would be different, you know. And I'm not deifying or reifying anyone. She's not perfect. She's got a, a hint of the white feminist about her, uh, you know. Uh, 30 Rock has some weird bits despite being one of the funniest sitcoms ever and Frequel Kimmy Schmidt has some weird bits despite being a really lovely premise and fantastic performances like I say but don't cancel people to your friends unless you've got a really good reason like for instance uh, I recommend everyone to unfollow Graham Linehan on Twitter not because I think Father Ted or Black Books are bad. They're not. They're really good. But because he's a terrible bigot and actively harmful. See, there's a difference between someone being actively harmful and just, you know, being a bit off sometimes. We're all a bit off sometimes. You know? Nobody's perfect. But when somebody's trying to actively cause harm in the world, that's that's when I think, that's where I come down on cancel culture. If somebody's actively causing harm in the world, Stop! Stop giving them your uh, your time. If somebody's just a bit uh, like boneheaded is the word that came to my head there. I don't mean boneheaded. A bit sort of has blind spots. The trick is to just be aware of those blind spots. Like I'm a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Joss Whedon is not a very nice man. Uh, and there's some really problematic, and I, you know, a lot of people hear that word, but it's, it's a useful word when you want to, bits and Buffy, you know, like I say, your faves are problematic, be aware of it and you're fine, don't let friends, uh, she's no longer a friend of mine, which is its own thing, but uh, 
the whole thing became a bit toxic and just difficult. And anyway, I don't need to air that here. Not that she'll be listening. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy vs. the Reverend, is very silly. Uh, I played for it three times and then uh, cycled back to a bit that I thought I'd missed. Uh, it's <laughs> it's not like a groundbreaking piece of art. It's very stupid. Um, and some of the endings are ridiculous. Uh, so it's like a choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing. Uh, and it made me think, made me quite nostalgic to when I was a kid. We had a couple of choose-your-own-adventure books. Like, we didn't have a huge amount. We had um, The Forest of Doom, the fighting fantasy book. I think we had a couple of other fighting fantasy books. We never had Warlock of Firetop Mountain as uh, a book, but I have played it as a board game. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But essentially, these were books which were you would get to the end of a page or a bit, a bit, a chunk of pages, and it would say, "I'll give you a decision." So, like, turn left, turn to page seventy-two, turn right, turn to page one hundred and twelve, uh, and the decisions you'd make would have ramifications. Like a really, really, um, <laughs> like a really, really low rent. RPG, like, or, or like, or even computer game, you know? But there's something really fun about them that I really, I genuinely loved. Uh, I was the kind of person who would keep my thumb on the page, the previous page, in case I made a mistake. Uh, so I'd do, give myself an immediate do over. It was kind of cheating, but also I just couldn't be bothered flicking through pages again. I knew I'd get back to that point, you know? And I don't like, I don't like when a, a game makes me do stuff it knows I can already do. I don't like when computer games do that either. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't need to fight these guys again. I've already fought these guys. So I had that fighting fantasy book, uh, which I also, when I was younger, I used to always confuse fighting fantasy and final fantasy, which are uh, Japanese RPGs, uh, of which I've only played one, which is Final Fantasy VI, which blows some people's minds. Um, I'll, I'll play some of the others. I will. Um, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake came out. You know, I've never played the original of that. I'll probably never play the remake either. I don't have time for JRPGs. I'm playing Western RPGs. Um, <laughs> ooh, shots fired. But, uh, so fight these fighting fantasy books, uh, set in these, you know, generic fantasy worlds. Uh, Steve Jackson, who, uh, is a big in the RPG scene and the board game and card game scene uh, he, was in, he was heavily involved Steve Jackson Games I think was basically founded off the back of Fighting Fantasy I think um, but I had some other ones like I had a, a, a Mario one uh, which was set during Super Mario Bros. 2 uh, in Subcon and it blows my mind that I can remember the name of the place because I remember that was the first time I'd heard about it I think they don't mention it in the game. Like, those... <laughs> the NES uh, Mario games aren't particularly big on story. Like, it doesn't go, well, Vino El and Subcon, the dream world with which you're living in, it doesn't have any real story at all, apart from get to the end of a level. Uh, while... and, and uh, use magic potions to open doors. Have you never played Mario Bros. 2? Um... <laughs> 
like I I'm not an expert on it, but here's my here's my understanding of what happened with Mario Brothers Two. The Mario Brothers was huge. Super Mario Brothers, fantastic. It's huge. It's the the classic game. You know, run around, punch blocks, jump on Goomba's heads, fight Bowser, save Princess. Classic. Uh, they then went to. They then released a second one of those in Japan, but it was rock hard. It was decided that it was too hard for U.S. audiences and European audiences, so they panicked and ported a different Japanese game called Doki Doki Panic. Which I recently found out that Doki Doki means heartbeat uh, from an, from a podcast I listened to called How Did This Get Played. It's a fantastic podcast if you like video games, uh, especially if you like people talking about really weird and really sometimes really bad video games uh, it's just a fantastic uh, podcast um, but yeah it's a different game called Doki Doki Panic so instead of running around jumping on creatures and defeating them that way and getting to the end of levels to fight Bowser you run around pulling vegetables out of the ground uh, you can jump on people's heads, but you don't kill them by jumping on their heads. You can then pick them up and throw them at other people. Uh, you can also play as not just Mario and Luigi, but you can play as uh, Toad and uh, Peach uh, for the first time. So it's kind of like, it's, it added a lot of stuff that's uh, still there to this day. Like, uh, for instance, Luigi jumping higher, um, Toad being faster. Peach being able to like float on her dress, that kind of thing. That was all in that. Uh, but it was all because they had four different characters in Doki Doki Panic. <laughs> um, I probably got some of the data of that wrong. I don't do, like I say, I don't do any research for these because it's uh, it's not a podcast. Uh, if you want to do, if you want to like hear people who understand more about to talk about video games, like I say, watch how uh, watch Jesus, Mara, listen to how did this get played. It's uh been a, an absolute joy for me during this uh, during this lockdown. Um, but yeah, and also other stuff in um, Subcon. And again, like I say, I only know about this because it, it's the, the, the book I had. I think is called Escape from Subcon. Even uh, certainly that was one of the big things I remember. And I was like, what the hell is Subcon? <laughs> like, what is that? But it did. Uh, it did have this amazing thing because the creepiest bits in Super Mario Bros. 2. There's bits we can go down pipes. Uh, or no, it's not even go down pipes. You go through doors, I think, and you end up in bottles. Uh, like a sort of magic bottle. And there's this creepy figure, which they brought back from Mario Bros. 3, I think, uh, which is like a little ha- ha- mask, which is half black and half white, right directly down the middle. and. The black half looks menacing and the white half looks smiley, which, you know, I'm aware of the connotations there. Uh, But it sort of appears in the top left-hand corner of the screen. And every so often, it will just, it will, like, spin around a couple times and then fly down at you. And if it hits you, you're instantly dead. And then you leave the bottle and it follows you for the rest of the level. (laughs) Uh, and it's terrifying. And they actually they did that really well in the in this choose your own adventure book. I remember being genuinely scared. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this choose your own adventure books. I had a couple of them, but it also reminded me uh, this Kevin Shot thing of 
something that I thought was even better than the Choose Your Own Adventure books, which were the Usborne Adventure puzzle books. Now these were great. Uh, I w was obsessed with these. Like, I think my brother had them, and then I basically inherited them slash stole them, which is how most things happen in our in our uh, in our um, worlds. In our house, that's what it's called. <laughs> in our, in our, our domicile, our place of residence. Um, but these were books were basically they were like little cartoons, and the stories were very sort of famous fivey, but a bit older. So Secret Seventy. Uh, if you don't, if you're not familiar with Enid Blyton, uh and the famous five Secret Seven books, which I was also obsessed with when I was younger. Um, you have no idea what we're talking about. Essentially, this idea that your your kids who get drawn into these big adventures, which adults are inexplicably like, you're usually on holiday. They nearly always started with you being on holiday at your aunt's house, uh, in this weird place. And some of the like, and they were just so fun. These ideas, like there was one which was set in a village that. Uh, only appeared once every so so many years, you know, like Brigadoon, which is really a really cool thing when you're a kid. Because I didn't know it was like based on this ancient legend. I was just like, this is just really cool. I think it's called Little. Well, <laughs> I think it's called like Little Whitting or something like that. And the reason I can remember that after all these years is because of how these books worked. So each page is like a double page spread. It was like a cartoon, and you get a little bit of plot of them going. Hey, here's something interesting. And then there's like a puzzle that you have to solve. So, like, there's one where it's like, oh, let's go to that island. How do we get across the island? And it's like, well, we'll have to find out when it's low. We'll have to, we'll, we'll have to find out a way. And there's lots of people talking about, like, when low tide is. There's like a clock on the wall. It's like clues for you to, like, look around it and, and find out. And then you go to the Giant's Causeway, uh, or not Giant's Causeway, the Causeway, because <laughs> uh, 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 you find out when low tide is, and you go to the Causeway, and that's the next page, and that's just like a, a maze that you have to draw your way across without getting caught. That's super cool. Uh, and there's all, all kinds of little things like codes you had to break. Um, like so it would always it'd end with like a bolded the question going well what should you do when would you do that uh, some of them had like fun maps you had to f figure stuff out on uh, or you had to, and it was just these cool little mysteries uh, I'll talk at some point on one of these uh, not today because it's already yesterday went long and I don't want today to go super long. But I'll talk at some point about how much I love uh, mysteries. And I think it started with these books. Like these Asborn Adventure puzzle books. Uh, like, I, I remember vividly there was one where you, you, you go to this, um, there's like, a, there's like a recurring gang of bad guys. But none of them, like, they didn't connect really, but it was a recurring gang of bad guys. Uh, who were always up to no good, and they had loads of different. Well, they, it was like a big syndicate of bad guys. Uh, and there's one where, you, like, the idea was, 
this 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 guy who's an inventor had inherited this old um manor house and uh there was meant to be treasure in it. And uh you sort of try to scare these you find out that because you arrive and you're like, what's going on in this mysterious house? And you're like, Oh, it's being haunted and they find it's not being haunted, it's not really haunted. There's just this guy who's trying to scare these bad guys away. You know, classic kids' adventure stuff. And, uh, you know, like, a, a hint of the Scooby-Doo about it. And it was just drawn in this really simple style. Uh, sort of almost, like, <laughs> almost Tintin-esque. Uh, but not as good. Uh, not as good as old Erge. But this really clever little stories and the puzzles were sometimes like impossible sometimes you're like how would I possibly have known to do that you know but that's that's the nature of anything that's puzzle based and I still love puzzles to this day like uh, I have a subscription to a puzzle magazine because uh, I am the coolest uh, <laughs> yeah I have the, the coolest 32 year old that you'll possibly ever meet um, I have a subscription to <laughs> A puzzle magazine, um, and I'll buy puzzle magazines. I love it. that's a thing I do, like like this to keep my brain, you know, to keep my brain sorted. And there's a puzzle game that was on the DS called uh, a series called uh, Professor Layton, which was very had a similar vibe to these things as well. So sometimes those puzzles were just like, well, why is this a puzzle? <laughs> like you had story-based puzzles, and then sometimes you had like, oh, there's just a puzzle on this wall, and if you solve it, you get things. It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> but there's just something really satisfying to me about stories that connect uh, and you figuring it out. And like, a choose your own adventure book isn't quite isn't quite that. But it's fun, like, even to this day, the RPGs I play are ones where you make choices that have ramifications. So when a sitcom that I really liked uh, brings out an episode where you can choose what to do, and the choices are very silly. It's like, some of them are like, it's obvious you're not meant, you're obvious what you're meant to do and what you're not meant to do. <laughs> so it's not about problem solving, which is a thing I, you know, that, that kind of problem solving I love. It's just about going to the floor and sometimes deliberately going, well, no, Kimmy would never do this, so let's see what the show does if I try and make her do it. I recommend it. It's good fun. Uh, I'd go through it twice. Maybe not three times like I did. Um, I will say, listen to the snake all the way through. That's what I'll say. That's my hint to you. Which means nothing. But listen to the snake the whole way through. It's <laughs> my recommendation. Uh, okay, so all that's left for me to say is uh, stay safe, stay well, stay at home. And if you, if you like this, turn to page 64. And if you didn't like this, then turn to page 112. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, I've been Marjoy. Goodbye.